It's a wellness. It's, it's a, a wellness. This week, we are really excited to announce that we are finally, finally, finally launching our intro piece series, which you guys were such a huge help with creating and formatting. You sure were. The world is indeed falling apart, and it turns out that <laughs> you guys are excited to hear us tear stuff apart. Well, whoa, hold on. <laughs> hold on. That's hold not right, because up. we asked people for their favorite example of tropes that Isabeau and I are a little bit uncomfortable with, because we are going to go in with a really open mind. We want to learn to love what you love. So we have, I think, really the cream of the crop to share with you. We do. So without further ado, I think let's start with announcing the books that we chose. Sure. To begin with, we are starting with the Amish of Cedar Grove series by Patricia Davids. We're doing The Wish. The Wish. Jackie reads romance on Instagram, really helped us out. Absolutely no one reads Amish romance, it turns out, who follows. So I think this will be a journey for all of us. The Wish had the highest rating on Goodreads of all of Patricia David's books. And so that's what we'll be starting off with. Oh, my God. Next week. Yep. And then next, we're going to do sports. Now, sports, unlike Amish, super popular. You guys love to throw a ball around or scoot a puck around on the ice, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Because there were so many recommendations and the sports trope subgenre, we'll get into that later, is so extensive and so popular and to be honest, so mainstream. We wanted to do two examples from it. So the first is going to be Pucked by Helena Hunting from the Pucked series. Shout out to M with a series of underscores after (laughs) their username for that recommendation. And then we'll also be doing Fumbled by Alexa Martin. This series was recommended by Joanna Pintinkas and then our good friend DJ Dresser said that she loved Fumbled. So that's the one we're going with from that series. And that is an NFL book written by an actual NFL wife, I think Mm -hmm. is the terminology, and has a cartoon cover, is hotly anticipated quite the buzzy book and Pucked is a hockey book. It seems like hockey and football definitely take up the most imagination in the sports trope. And so we'll see they what do. those two are like. I wonder if it's because the teams are so big and they have like such a deep bench. I think it's because they're such popular sports. I think Helena Hunting, I don't know where she's from, but if she's from Canada, that explains that. Well, yeah. And the reason there's so much football is because football is really so pervasive in America. I do think it's really interesting. Like we got more figure skating recommendations than we did basketball. (laughs) I don't think that's weird, especially because the romance community really follows figure skating. Like Courtney Milan does this whole thing during the world circuit where she just talks about figure skating. And I think like that's Figure skating might have been the wrong example to make the point that I'm trying to make. We get a lot more soccer and rugby recommendations (laughs) than we did basketball recommendations. Again, I think there is something to the idea of a large bench because the series then can go on forever. But also I think romance folks and like this is a gross generalization are like maybe less into the idea of what traditional sports are putting out. And that's why we had so many rugby and potentially soccer recommendations. But I don't then know. why do we I'm have curious. so many football? I don't know. I'm like, I'm curious and to investigate. And so many hockey. Well, that's what I think about hockey, especially in comparison to football. I think there's something more there than just it's a popular sport. I do want to ask, basketball is my favorite sport, as I've mm-hmm. said many times. I definitely want to interrogate why there are so few basketball romances and why there are so many of every other sport. 
I think that's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Preview, I think it might be a race thing. Yeah, that definitely seems to be it or one of the reasons it could be it. And then next up, we're going to do military romance. Mm. Laura Pendon Jones recommended Rebecca Yaros to us. And we heard a lot of Rebecca Yaros. And so we're going to go with Beyond What Is Given. One of the things that I thought was really interesting about the recommendations we got for this trope, Isabeau, is that a lot of them were not military military they were like mm-hmm. military adjacent mm-hmm. like there wasn't a lot of like the marines heartwarming homecoming to wyoming titles which i was expecting uh from this trope i think we can really trust our listeners and our friends on social media to help us enter into a trope in a way that like that's a door that we can go through versus like the homecoming marine of wyoming that's probably just not a space where you and i can like latch on to in a positive way necessarily but the reason we want to do this we want to get like a true example rather than a exception to the trope and so beyond what is given has the dual endorsements of being recommended by one of our listeners and also seeming very close to what the traditional idea of like a military romance would be I also think that the military romance crossover where it's like they're a vet and now they're in like private analyst for some sort of black ops situation that just happens a lot there just isn't a ton of like straight up military romance all right and then we are pulling out all the stops for our final trope secret baby secret baby we got a mere three titles recommended to us that utilize this trope but one that came up over and over again and also is mentioned in the sports trope and so we have to do it repeatedly endorsed nobody's baby but mine by susan elizabeth phillips yeah to be honest this is a trope that i was most excited to talk about once we got our recommendations because they're all from that kind of early 90s 80s era Mm -hmm. which i think we're going to be kind of lacking as we engage in this project and people are just so enthusiastic about it i think that's actually really interesting in terms of like a timeliness factor like secret baby has well and truly receded as a pop popular trope, whereas other tropes have really exploded. I'll be interested to read this particular one from like the height of the secret baby craze as like a particular kind of obstacle or whatever. Yeah, super excited. And I'm sure we'll get into a discussion of why (laughs) there aren't a ton of super popular secret baby tropes anymore. If I may predict something, that's the one I'm most excited for. And I'm really excited for this whole project. I think it's great to kind of stretch your legs and engage with stuff and I think we kind of need a refresh. I think we do too. As we go into this project, I do want to call to attention the difference between trope and subgenre, which we're sort of straddling in terms of lines for this project. So a lot of it is that we like puns and entropy is a fun (laughs) pun for us, which is one of the reasons we chose it. But I think also the term trope is definitely bandied about more in the romance genre than it is in others. Mm Mm-hmm. But there are so many subgenres. <laughs> I think saying subgenre is a little bit clunkier and less pun.
punchy than saying it's trope. Mm -hmm. And I think trope comes with its own connotations of like rules, regulations, which is definitely the sand that romance likes to scoop up and shape into castles. For sure. I also think like, and I'm only thinking about this now, as you mentioned the time frame, but it seems to me that tropes and subgenres actually do share like a Venn diagram of space. And like maybe in the late 80s and early 90s, Secret Baby could have been a subgenre because it was so popular. Whereas Mm -hmm. something like Amish wasn't on the scene and would have been more of like a sweet trope and now has really exploded in popularity and has become its own subgenre. And so like how do those rules and regulations that like detail a trope manifest and then become so popular as to become a subgenre? I think that's really interesting that you're framing it that way because I always think like the transition phase is subgenre to trope. Hmm. Like something starts off as like a non-surfaced aspect of romance. For example, the romances that get self-published that everybody likes to make fun of that are like One Night with the Sasquatch. Mm -hmm. To me, that's like a subgenre, right? Cryptid, sex, erotic romance. That's a subgenre. But eventually enough people like read that, enjoy it, like aspects of it, that parts of that enter the zeitgeist of mainstream romance publishing and then become a trope. But then it's also like tropes feel like a small feature that can exist in any romance. Right. Um, Trope is a scaffolding. You know, obviously just one bed slash sleeping bag. Mm -hmm. Bad dad. That's a trope. Force proximity. Yeah. Force proximity. Those can exist in any kind of subgenre or, you know, the main publishing world. So I just want to say we have an understanding that there is a difference between a subgenre and a trope. Mm -hmm. And we chose this title for our series because it is like permeable enough for us to excuse the pun. I think the pun is what makes it so great, especially in these times. Yeah, we need a pun. Hey gang, Morgan here, letting you know this episode of Womance is brought to you by Into Her by J.A. Huss, available now on audible.com. The three perspectives of this angsty, MFM page-turning read are brought to life with the vocal talents of Savannah Peachwood, Teddy Hamilton, and Tad Branson. Those three sound like they could be characters in a romance novel themselves. They bring to life the story of Into Her. Hitmen, AJ, and Logan are professional mobsters and spending a sexy night stranded with their mark, Yvette, wasn't in the plan. But one night changes everything and they soon find themselves plodding away out of the job and the mob. It sounds like crossover fic from um, true Life, I'm Polyamorous, and The Sopranos. Totally thrilling. Author J.A. Huss has hit the USA Today bestsellers list 21 times in the past five years, and her audiobooks have been nominated for a voice arts and an audio award, so you know you want to experience her work via her audiobook available at audible.com. But don't just take it from those well-respected institutions. Take it from readers just like you. One Amazon review says, just when you think you know exactly what to expect from J.A. Huss, she proves that you know absolutely nothing all caps exclamation point she told us what it was about kinda and assumptions were made and in every single way I was absolutely wrong in the most delightful frightened turned on way ha cha cha delightful frightening and sexy sounds like a total whoa so be sure to go to audible.com and pick up Into Her by J.A. Huss mwah
So Amish romance started off as a subgenre, but now it's pretty much like one of the only palettes that sweet romance writers paint in. Yeah. It is the subgenre sweet romance, basically. Yeah, which is weird. It feels like it takes up a lot of space in the inspirational subgenre. It does. There's a lot of like praying and discussions of God. So I guess you could say Amish is a trope of the subgenre inspirational. Yeah. And the Venn diagram of like sweet romance and inspirational romance, I think they share a lot of similar beats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just thinking about this particular about Secret Baby because Secret Baby could exist in really any of the subgenres that we've mentioned here. The one we selected is technically in the sports subgenre of romance. Right. But what I was about to say is like, I don't really see a ton of Secret Baby outside of contemporary and especially sports or military and I don't see a ton of secret baby like outside of uh like second chance romance and historicals like secret Mm -hmm. baby very much exists in a very couple of subgenres and I think that's interesting that like that's an obstacle that makes it a trope but yeah I think there's something about it that like it's a tangled web and it's interesting to me that it seems to like congregate in very specific subgenres rather than other places where I genuinely believe that like Seeker Baby was just a thing in the 80s and 90s. I have literally nothing to back this up other than my instinct and like I have to go through a catalog (laughs) but like this is my feeling on it. I definitely read a bunch more. Like, Well what is fun about being a part of any kind of genre community Mm -hmm. is that everything's kind of (laughs) gooey and like if you're the type of person who likes to have none of the food on your plate touch this is probably a weird discussion for you but if you're (laughs) You're like, this is definitely a podcast where we mix everything together and put a little barbecue sauce on the corn and mix the mashed potatoes with the peas, with the meatloaf, you know, and that makes it really fun, honestly, to have this conversation about. Yeah, we are a casserole. Like for us, the idea of subgenre and trope and, you know, all of these different classifying, qualifying terms that we use in genre are so much fun because they can allow us to have these conversations and do these kind of mental gymnastics and be like, what is a trope? What is a subgenre? And I don't think we'll ever completely sequester those ideas. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm sure that there's like a definition, Mm -hmm. right, that we could be working with. But why would we do that when we can find all sorts of examples of it bleeding in our minds? Yeah. Bleeding in the work. That's the fun stuff. And I think you're right where it's like, I think some of these definitions might be interesting guideposts, but like romance is such a hurly burly, sprawling, imaginative space that like even Mm -hmm. guideposts their utility is very limited. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's much more fun to talk about them in a way that breaks them down than in a way that bolsters them, at least for us. I agree. 100%. Uh, in this show. <laughs> so we'll definitely be having more of those conversations and we'll probably get pretty fucking weird. I'm sure we'll get angry. I'm sure we'll get very emotional and it should be good so many weeks of programming. <laughs> It's true. So, you know, put on your masks, go outside when you can and join us on this journey as we push ourselves to the edge of entropy in romance. Loosen your woes. But never your nesses. Mwah. Whoa, golly gee. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Womance. Womance is hosted by Isabel. 
That's me. And Morgan, that's me. Production is by Nick Gravelin. Our webmistress is the incomparable Jane Bonzac. And our illustration and logo were created by Mary Reichman. They're the best. If you'd like to follow, creep, or connect with us on our social media platforms, you can find us at mans underscore woe on Twitter, womance on Instagram, or email at womancemail at gmail.com. You can also hang out on our amazing website at womancepodcast.com. You can support us by using our code to visit our sponsors or go to our Patreon where we are Womance. Womance is officially part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Discover more podcasts just like our own centering on romance and reading at frolic.media slash podcast. Until next week. Mwah.